0: Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or and today is Sew Over 50 Thursday. Now grab a cuppa and relax with us. Sew Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Sew Over 50 Thursday on Sew Organised Style Podcast. Today's podcast guest, was a guest editor in May for Sew Over 50. So today we're talking to Corey. Her Instagram handle is Ceramic67. Her sewing story is one of many that have been encountered by plus-sized, curvy, fat sewers who are over 50. Corey is a strong advocate for size inclusivity and community awareness for all sewers, and you'll hear that in her story. Corey's advocacy has also been recognised by Jenny of Kashmirette's upcoming book called Ahead of the Curve. So well done, Corey. As a strong advocate for size inclusivity and community awareness for all sewers, Corey challenges and promotes the ongoing evolution of the patent industry. Let's give a warm welcome to Corey. How are you, Corey?
1: Hello, Maria. Thank you very much for asking me. I'm very pleased to be here.
0: I'm really honoured that you're on the podcast for cyber 50 and the fact that you've already done a guest edit for them means that we can talk about that a little bit further.
1: Yes, yes. Corey, can you tell us where we can find you online? As you said, I'm on Instagram at Ceramic67. Mm-hmm. I have a little online shop as well, a website called Corey's Fancy Goods, and the link to that is in my profile on Instagram. So I'm a ceramicist, so that's why I've got a little shop.
0: I just want to let listeners know that while Corey and I are looking at each other on Zoom, I can see that she's wearing a really wonderful brooch that she's made and it's a huge white button and it's just gorgeous.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's enormous. <laughs> Love it. Are ceramics
0: something that you've always loved doing?
1: Well, I was introduced to it when I was 16 by a really, really great art teacher that I had. Whilst I'd always been drawing and making, with ceramics I felt that it was it was something that you made and put into the world and it was magic, you know, that it was earth and that you heated it up and then all of a sudden it was an object. Whereas with drawing, you were always recording a moment or recording something, but with clay you were actually making something. I don't know, but that clicked with me when I was 16 and then I went on to study it that's part of my A-level and part of my degree. And, and it's you know, it's what I do. It's, I taught it for many years. I taught it for 28 years. So, yeah, I, I love it. So when it
0: clicked with you at the age of 16, it's been with you. It's been a part of your life ever since.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I can't imagine not doing it. But since I started sewing, the correlations between you know making whatever material you're using you know that is really clear to me. Actually, the making and the attention to detail and managing your material, all of that is similar. Tell us about when you started to sew. Well, to my shame, I never took any notice of my mother sewing when I was growing up, and she sewed all the time. She sewed all our clothes, and this was partly because she liked us to look different. I'm a twin, and I've got an older sister. She always made us dresses that were It was slightly different from each other, but also because of poverty, we were very poor growing up. I mean, at the time, not the case now, but at the time, it was a way to save money, to make clothes for yourself and your children. And my mother did that brilliantly, and she was a seamstress for a tailor for a very long time when we were younger. And I made no connection at all between my making as a ceramicist to my mother's making as a, a seamstress. And why I didn't make that connection, I have no idea. But it was in my late 40s that I just thought, oh, I'm seeing all these lovely clothes. I can't afford them. Well, I could afford them, but it was, you know, it would have been a stretch. And I wanted to, I wanted to have them. And I thought, look, I'm clever. You know, I can make these things. I'm sure I can have a go. And I had a third hand sewing machine that my mother had given me that she bought for 20 quid off somebody. And I thought, oh, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go with something really simple. I found Sonia Phillips's 100 Acts of Sewing patterns. And I'm so grateful that I found those first because her patterns are simple but classic, easy instructions. Whilst my first attempts were probably awful, I still wore them. And I was so proud. And it gave me such a buzz. I couldn't believe the buzz it gave me to make my own clothes. And I thought, Why haven't I been doing this all my life? Why have I only started doing it now? I couldn't believe it. And I still can't believe why I didn't do it many years ago. Yeah. uh, What a fantastic hobby. I'm loving it. I love it. I'm so
0: pleased that you at least picked up saying it at some point in your life, because it is just a wonderful hobby to
1: have. Yeah, it is. But I also see it as a political hobby as well, you know, because bodies are political. Our bodies are political. So I do see it a little bit like that as well probably from um, a feminist point of view, maybe. But yes, I do. Did you want to expand on that point? Everybody wears clothes. (laughs) Why isn't everybody making clothes? (laughs) I don't understand that now, now that I'm a sewer. Why doesn't everybody make clothes? But also, clothes say so much about us and how we present ourselves to the world and what we're saying about ourselves and how we interact with the world. Our clothes say that about us before even knowing anybody our clothes say something and because as a a larger woman I've always felt disenfranchised from normal fashion and I think that's become a bit of a feminist issue for me because I don't see why I'm excluded or marginalised from certain elements of being a woman or a person just wearing things. And yet that is limited. It's limited for me by manufacturers and shops and designers. And that limits my own creativity in what I want to wear, how I want to present myself. So I feel that taking that power myself and learning to sew means that you can present yourself confidently in clothes that fit you and that you absolutely adore and that you look fantastic in. And more people should do it. More people should take that because it is powerful. I find it really powerful.
0: Because at the end of the day, when you wake up in the morning, you put clothes on. But what that
1: says about you
0: is really what you're talking about.
1: Yes. You know, your choices. You know, if I was wearing hyper feminized, that kind of 50s look, you're saying something about your understanding of nostalgia and where you see yourself in the world or if you're quirky or if you're quite classic, also about the fabrics that you choose, whether they're natural fibres, whether they're ethical choices about what you wear. So, you know, whilst we're not saying much, we say an awful lot in our clothes. And I think to be able to make them then gives you a power that excludes those who have marginalised you in the past. So any designers or manufacturers or shops who maybe subtly have put you in a particular place so I know when I used to go shopping for clothes for my size they would just be expanded versions maybe of very boring clothes yeah so they would never fit properly across the shoulders or the bust or the arm sides none of that would fit properly there was no thinking there was no real thinking behind making for certain sizes and again I'm appalled that I left it so late to realise that about sewing and myself. So take that power and make your own clothes. It's amazing.
0: And that leads us into the next question, doesn't it, about inclusivity. What's been your experience so far?
1: Um, Well, as I said, I was lucky to be introduced, first of all, to Sonia Phillips's patterns, the um, 100 Acts of Sewing, because her patterns were really broad The size range was large. I found myself, I think, in the middle of a size range. And I thought, all right, okay. And, you know, I would cut my patterns out. I'd make things and I'd be... And then I started to buy more patterns. And then I found myself either at the top end of the patterns or off the scale or not able to make those patterns. And I found myself in the position, as I was before learning to sew, That I was disenfranchised again from making, not only from the buying in the shops, but from the making by pattern makers and pattern designers. And I thought that can't be true. Surely, you know, it's 2020. How how can that be the case? How can I be excluded from that in this day and age? I didn't understand how that was possible. I know there's been a lot of discussion on this. I think I'm probably regarded as a, a small fat. I don't really know what the terminology is because I'm a UK size 18. But then, you know, I've got a large chest, which means that if I bought an 18 dress, it wouldn't fit anyway because it wouldn't fit across my chest. So my pattern buying, I have had to start a look at those patterns as I did with the shops that I had to go to. I had to look to see what patterns would actually fit me first rather than, oh, that's a lovely shape. I'll make that because I didn't have those choices. It's got a lot better recently. It's still not as inclusive as it could be. I noticed that with a few, I think there was two or three maybe bits of feedback on the guest editor post that I did for Sew Over 50 that were hmm, a little bit negative but didn't see my reasoning really for mm. their need to be an inclusivity or politely people would say, "Oh but it's really hard. It's really hard to design for larger sizes which I didn't get at all because surely it's hard to design for all sizes. Whatever size you are, it's hard to design. so why put a limit? On saying that it's okay to design within this this size frame, but outside of that, oh, it's just hard. I didn't buy that. And, and I'm trying to say that in the politest way, but no, I wasn't I wasn't buying that. <laughs> so yeah, but it is getting better. There's lots more kind of designers changing their size ranges and reintroducing patterns that they've done before in larger size ranges. And all of that is just wonderful. All of that's going in the right direction.
0: So how do you see a way forward?
1: I think from the get go, if somebody is a pattern designer, they need to be open minded to start with. Mm -hmm. And if you have those skills as a pattern designer, well, those skills are transferable to all sizes, not to just a limited range of sizes. I can imagine that there's um, you know yeah I'm not saying there isn't difficulty involved there is difficulty involved but that shouldn't if you're a patent designer and that's your area that's your love of subject you shouldn't be putting limitations on that that should be broader and also what's to say that larger sizes haven't got the money to spend on patterns? you know they haven't got, they've got disposable income and they want to spend so from a business model I find that really odd that people are so So then that's made me think, is it not about business? Is it about aesthetics? Is it about how something looks on someone? And is it that old fashioned idea that if you're fat or if you're large or if you're bigger, that you don't look as good in something? And I know that that's not true because I know that I look fantastic. And so do loads of the other women that I posted up about in that post that I made for So 50. And that was the same when I was younger, when I was in the shops, and I could see these clothes in shops that ended at size 14. And I was like, i look fantastic in that. Why can't I just pick up that off a hanger? What, why can't I do that? I never understood why I couldn't wear that. And it was never there for me. So that's why it's become more of a political, like a body politic issue for me. So yeah, I never understood that. And then to find that replicated in sewing patterns, I was pretty annoyed. But it's good to see that it's moving in a better direction. So, how did
0: you discover the So Over 50 community?
1: I think I was early on. I think I got, I think I followed the hashtag quite early on. Yeah. I followed the group. And then I think I was approached, might have been Sue. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been Sue who approached me and asked me if I was interested in a photo shoot with some of the So Over 50. Uh, yes. Count me in. <laughs> what an adventure. Lovely. Just meeting kind of new sewers. And we formed this group, when was this? It was two and a half years ago now. And we still message every day this group of women who got together early on. And how lovely is that? What a fantastic community. What a positive, fantastic community. And we still message each other all the time. It was early on that I got involved with the Sewer for 50. I loved it, that it was... Somebody was, you know, putting a, a line in the sand and saying, Oi, hang on. Look at us. Look at us over here. We're not having that. We're not having that for one minute. And I love that. That that spoke to me really well, that there was visibility and visibility, but also beauty and community and positivity, all of those things that I loved. And so, yeah, I'm fully on board with that. I love the Soul Over 50 group. Love them
0: and it's really great to see that the over so 50 community intersects with a lot of communities so it's not just yes. females it's not just one type it's many ages and many different yeah. types of people
1: yes yeah yeah it's not it's not saying even though it 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 sounds exclusive over so 50 mm-hmm. it really isn't at all and they have a broad broad church and they want everybody involved and initially that we wanted a broader range of, you know, ethnicity and gender and all of that has started to come along and size and all of that has started to happen and they work very, very hard at doing that. They do. So I applaud them greatly because I, I don't know how they find the time to do it. It's amazing.
0: I mean, this isn't a business. This is a voluntary group of people who are very committed to making sure that there is visibility initially for people over the age of 50 but really visibility for a lot of people in a lot of communities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good model, I think, that has been transposed to other hashtags and other groups. You know, so there's so over 60 and there's so over 70 and so over 40. You know, it it's a really lovely model to kind of share and to raise that visibility. And that in 2021... We're still talking about female visibility of a certain age shows the need for talking about visibility for women of a certain age because we still need to do that. So that's why those challenges are interesting where you have to tackle a pattern where the promotion of the pattern is with a model over the age of 40 or that it isn't just about small younger models. So I find that really interesting. I, I'm fascinated by that,
0: and it'd be good to see changes in the future with mm. pet designers and fabric retailers.
1: Yes, definitely. It's surely it's a, poor, it's a poor business model if they don't. It really is. If at that alone, yeah.
0: When you did the guest post, did you get a lot of people responding to you?
1: Yeah, hundreds. Good. Yeah, I I was really surprised, and. We'd only just had our new puppy. I was kind of responding constantly all the time. And the puppy was just, you know, yeah, left. My partner just looked after him all day.
0: How have you found adapting to the changes in the various social media platforms to share your sewing journey?
1: It was a natural progression for me. I think it was really quite organic. I was on Instagram very early, really early doors. I was just sharing stuff about my life you know, at the time I was teaching. So any good student work, any gallery visits, any of my making. By that, I mean my ceramics, because I was on Instagram before I started sewing. So I knew that I would never wanted, only because I couldn't possibly maintain it, one of those super highly polished, curated grids with the correct lighting. And I couldn't do any of that. That's a full-time job in itself. I couldn't possibly maintain it. So I just wanted to try and be authentic and include the things that I was normally doing. So when sewing started, I was doing the same with that. I haven't got a handle on reels yet. I don't know what that is. And I'm not quite happy with the jumping in and out of clothes. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> but but I, I just tried to introduce it naturally. And, and actually, my my sewing probably gets more interest in my ceramics. <laughs> Maybe say something about my ceramics, but I don't know. So I've tried to just introduce it naturally and organically as part of my life and what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's great. Maybe your ceramics has got a different audience on another platform, but definitely your sewing has got the interest on Instagram.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it has. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So before we wrap it up, are there any last thoughts you would like to leave our listeners with?
1: I think. Unless you are maybe sensitive to body politics or larger sizes or being marginalized because of your shape, it's difficult to have empathy with that. And I think if I could just ask for people to be more empathetic if they're starting to design something or if they're responding to somebody's clothes or thinking about designing for larger ranges that people need to be more open-minded and to be more empathetic about how people feel because there's still that hangover about you know being shameful about your body which I'm not but lots of people are and I have been in the past but I'm not now and you know to embrace who you are and to allow others to embrace who they are and I think that that empathy and that kindness in the designing for bodies i think needs to be first and foremost if anybody's going to be designing patterns that we have to think about a broader range of sizes initially not as an afterthought or as a token
0: Corey, thank you so much for coming on to serve 50s podcast on so organized style
1: oh maria thank you so much for having me i hope uh yeah, I hope it is fine. Thank
0: you. Oh, it has been. Thank you so much. Thank you. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organised Style Podcast for Sober 50 was produced by me, Maria Harris, with permission of Corey Lewis-Bishop, soundbybensound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organised Style Podcast but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you give us a five-star review and rating. If this is the first So Over 50 podcast you've listened to, there are over 40 free So Over 50 podcasts for you to listen to. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at So Organised Style or on our website at www.soorganisedstyle.com or on our Facebook page. Make sure you go back and listen to over 230 free podcasts now available. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.